Welcome back to the Crooked Spine Show. Can we control how healthy we can be? Is it in our ability or is it genetically prone where it's almost predestined? In the sense where if your parents had diabetes, you're going to have diabetes. If your parents had heart problems, you're going to have heart problems. That is genetic approach and the medical approach. The epigenetics is a study that is more recent that allows you to think differently where you can control your health. Epi meaning on top of is a gene expression of what you do have possible can change on basically four pillars that my experts today, Brian and Jill, talk about. They are the founders of New Self. New Self allows you to understand through their four pillars how to basically control your health long term and short term, especially if you're recovering from a condition or, or health problem. Their four pillars include is overall diet or nutrition, also sleep, also movement or exercise, and the last pillar being stress. These four pillars, and we talk about completely in this in this interview today, is how do we go through each one for you through their coaching, their analysis, their, their consulting to get you to a better state of health and understanding they're going to start with lab testing so you can see the lab test before and after your treatments and coaching with them to actually see after you feel the results in your body overall change. So this talk, go to their website too, new, uh, newself.com, all the links are in the show notes too. Understand you can control your health when you do the right things, when you do the right things to make sure these four pillars are proper for you and unique for you to get yourself healthy. Okay, my friends, again, the show notes has highlights to this overall um, podcast as a YouTube video, our previous podcast, you can go to their show notes, understand you control your health, enjoy the week, my friends, and I'll see you next week. Well, they, they know more than we'll ever know. Right. All right, we are live again, the Crooked Spine Show. I'm here with both Brian and Jill. They are the owners and founders of Self Help. I'm sorry, New Help. I keep saying in my head, New Help, New Help, and New Help. They've done this out of Wisconsin, now broaden their reach to social media to help people big term, long term, understand how to get healthy. Our topic today is called, can we control our health? What I mean by that, we've been told by medicine, we have to take this pill, we have to take that because our parents had diabetes. We have congenital called predisposition for heart disease, um, for liver cancers, for one, two, other things that we've been told. We, there's new research called epigenetics, not genetics, epigenetics, that new help, new self can help understand is actually how do we get things to understand our mindset of we can control our health. We control our lifestyle, control genetics, epigenetics within our body to make it want to, and they'll explain it more in detail, to allow our body to stay healthy by certain things we do in our day, in our life as a routine. So... So you guys take it over for me. Who wants to tell their story first, how you got into this? Sure, I can I can kick things off. Thanks so much for having us. And it's it's a great privilege to chat with your audience today to expand upon this topic. And how I got started in this, I've been in the medical industry for uh, just under 20 years. And okay. my first introduction into the functional health uh, role was my own individual battle. I'm a cancer survivor. And part of the questions that came to mind, and I always always surfaced for me after my chemo and radiation treatments were what were the long-term effects? I knew that they would have detrimental effects. How could I impact them? And at that time, you know, this is greater than 20 years ago where I went through my treatments. At that time, it was, we really don't know. We're not sure. Um, so I started doing a lot of digging on my own. And what that led to is, is uncovering some effects uh, that were related to the treatments that I had and started taking, uh, you know, my own health in, in, in putting it under, under control and noticed great differences in my overall health in some of the things that I incorporated. Um, those lessons learned, I just look forward to sharing with others and, and working with clients to, to help them through and, and overcome uh, some of those challenges as well. And that's the thing, Brian, I think a lot of it, even now, 2022, we're still hearing I have patients that are, 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 are going through cancer treatments or going through other treatments too. And a lot of it is they may talk to one doctor, they tell them one thing, next doctor they tell them what they think. So there's so, no, there's no, I want to call it not a law, but a standard that has been set medically for certain things. So you're almost left on your own to kind of figure it out. 
Right, right. There's uh, Jill and I reference this as the, the we kind of reference it with our clients as a triangle. And if you picture at the top of the triangle, it's the provider. And at the bottom of the triangle, it's the patient laying in the weeds. And what you have is a significant gap in between where that patient or, or individual is left wondering and looking for answers. And in the busy healthcare world that an environment that exists today, there's not a lot of time spent with people to really dive into the great details needed to help patients through. I think you, you, you and Jill and my other functional health clinicians too have able to really be the advocate for these people to kind of guide them to a recovery and then stay to maintaining a healthy life and past recovery too, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jill, let's hear your story, ma'am. What's going on over there? So it started for me a long time ago, actually, when I was only about 12. Um, my dad became really sick and we had to nurse him back to health. And that was, you know, really the precipitating event that just showed me that was something I wanted to do in the long run. So um, I became a physician assistant back in 2000. And, um, you know, it wasn't exactly as I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't until I became sick myself and realized that traditional medicine just doesn't have the right role in helping people with chronic disease um, or even trying to figure out what's going on with you um, when you have things that are kind of complicated and, and multi-system. Um, and so that uh, led me to functional medicine where I was able to kind of diagnose and heal. And it was a tipping point in my career. I just decided I was gonna quit practicing as a PA um, and become a functional health and wellness consultant and. You know, luckily, Brian um, was my friend and colleague at the time, and we shared the same passion for, you know, educating people and just providing um, and filling in that gap that traditional healthcare just isn't able to provide. I think a lot of it is you're, you're helping people and even going through, you can empathize with them, is the frustration, the, the let's try this, 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 the medical, the medical approach. Hey, I, I know what my diagnosis is. Why can't it be treated both short-term, long-term to get me healthy, not mm -hmm. just not just absence of sickness? Right. So I think a lot of when we look at that picture is we're going to now a like you said a field, and I, I've I've done some reading on this previously too, um, through some chiropractors that have done some research on it. Is how do we get ourselves to get and stay healthy from an illness for one too? But then maintain that too. So I think epigenetics, which I want you guys both to kind of explain that is for my my audience, which are not in healthcare, says, how do you explain to someone who's not in healthcare, what, how is it different from genetics? Go ahead, who wants to go first or who wants to take it over? So I'll, I'll kick it off. I think um, first in order to understand epigenetics, I really want to take a step back and look at why our genes are not our final destination, right? Let, let's put a few things into perspective. So over the last two years, we as Americans have been deeply focused on the pandemic, and we've paid little attention to a mounting health crisis that has been ongoing for far longer than the two preceding years that we've just went through. And that's the challenges that we face with chronic disease. It's extremely common. It impacts six in 10 Americans. Four in 10 Americans experience multiple chronic disease, and it's now responsible for seven out of 10 deaths in the US. This is considered normal, unfortunately, but it should not be accepted as the norm. This is not how our bodies are meant. They're not how they're built. This is, again, not normal. Unfortunately, it's not simply just related to us as adults. Recent studies show that 27% of our children are facing chronic disease. That number has more than doubled from previous studies uh, conducted in the late 90s. And most of those diseases are related to asthma, obesity, learning disabilities. You mentioned diabetes uh, earlier. One billion people across this world suffer from diabetes. 40% of Americans are considered obese and 100 million Americans today have either diabetes or prediabetes. Estimates suggest that 80 million Americans suffer from over the 100 plus autoimmune diseases currently identified. And we seem to identify more and more each year. Autism has increased twofold since the early 2000s. And many will say, well, this increases due to our detection becoming that much better. 
that is not accurate. And most heartbreaking statistic, I think, as a, as a father, a parent, is for the first time in modern history, our children are predicted to have a shorter lifespan than that of their parents. That is truly incredibly heartbreaking. Now, as horrifying as all these statistics sound, there is some positive news to this, I, I promise. So, you know, stick with us. Um, you know, the social implications are huge. It, it puts patients and clients into deep depression, lack of energy, um, uh, numerous side effects. The economics are, are staggering from both a personal uh, budget sense, but also when you look at the country spend, we're spending on average $3.7 trillion a year on chronic disease, which equates to 20% of our overall GDP. And when you look at that, that's 20, that, that's nearing 10 plus thousand dollars per adult, per child to try to fight this. And it's showing, showcasing how unsuccessful we are because chronic disease is on the rise. So how does this all relate? Uh, you know, I mentioned before that this is not normal. However, chronic disease has become kind of the common view that this is normal. This is what happens when you get older. So contrary to normal thinking, when we live in alignment with our genes and our biology, we will live a healthy, sustained life in comparison to a life riddled with disease. So this is where we can start paying attention to the epigenetics and really talk about, well, how does our environment impact us as individuals? And I'll pass it off to Jill now so she can share all the good news after I've brought everyone down. And thanks, Debbie Downer, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I definitely like to be the bearer of good news, that's for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about genetics first. You know, I think what's really frustrating, uh, definitely in my training and even still now, we hear physicians talk about genetics as kind of the be-all, end-all. So if you have this predisposition to having a disease, like you were saying earlier, Dr. Tony, it's almost not if you're going to get it, it's when you're going to get it. But we know that that's far from the truth now. So, you know, there's these little building blocks within our DNA. And these building blocks predict how our body is going to respond to things like stress, drugs, medications, alcohol. Um, weight gain or toxins, and it's going to express whether or not we have a disease. So it's like a little light switch turning on or off. And what's amazing is with the study of epigenetics, which if we look at the definition of that, epi means on top of or around. So what we're looking at is what is around us in our environment, whether it's internal or external, that's causing these genes to turn on or off. And I think what's most fascinating about this is that there's about 80 to 90% of what we know in our environment that is affecting the light switch. So just because we have the genes, like for instance, in my family, it's dementia, degenerative disc disease, um, heart disease. So just because I have that gene doesn't mean that the switch is turned on for it. And if it was turned on, the great news is that we can turn it off. So really, if you look at this, we have all the power to control our health and how our health is expressed within us. And I think that's just what really drives us to try to educate people on this more. And when they know that and when they figure out, okay, if I, if, if I do get a condition or a disease, it's actually fixable. It's not a long-term life problem. No one's ever told me that before. They've always told me, for example, my patient, one patient, he was told he had type 2 diabetes, and he asked his doctor, when can I get off medication? He says, never. Once you have it, you have it. So these doctors are convincing themselves that in their, their fault, I want to call it false truth, in their mind, their perception is, this is what it is. There is no second chance. There is no, there is no way out of it. And when you right. they become the confident doctor in that theory and tell their patient that now it's ingrained in their brain, and we have to, at this point, we have to, us in general, are, as parents, as clinicians, as healthcare practitioners, let our patients know, no, that's not the truth. There's epigenetics, which allows you now to readjust your lifestyle, your your body to a better homeostatic state. We'll go over that, what that is, to make you want to heal properly. Right. And I think that's what's so challenging is it's that mindset. And, you know, I was in that training. I, I was trained like it's really to diagnose and to, to treat these people with medications, one on top of another, 
there wasn't a time when I told my patient, well, you have degenerative disc disease, you're kind of stuck with it, it's only going to get worse as time goes on. That was like my typical spiel with them. But we know that there's changes that they can make in their health, that's going to affect that. It's amazing I, when, when we know what it should be, but we have to almost say one thing versus what we, well, how would we all treat our own body, right? And it, it's almost it's almost a catch-22. How do we help someone but still understand that there may be the options that I can't really talk about because it's not in my field per se? Right. Exactly. So and, and with that too, what, what, what allows us to, at this point, understand Okay, now we know what it is. Now we know there's a way to fix it. How do you get your clients to now get to the next step of working into their, if you want to call it lifestyle, that idea into an action? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we first look at and, and express to our clients is there's really four key structures that can impact gene expression. And that would be diet is one of the things that we look at extremely close and and jill can dive into that a little bit deeper we also look at their sleep structure um, sleep is vitally important to our overall uh, genetic health structure with exercise is your exercise is your movement consistent is it at minimum 30 minutes a day or more and one of the important factors to all this in in impacting gene expression is the psychological or the mitigation of stress such a huge component stress plays such an important role on our overall uh, body health that i think sometimes it's one of the most overlooked things and i, I like those four pillars of health that allows us to get a broader idea of this is my well-being this is my person this is me and when i can not, when i can figure out where i am now and get to a better standard at that point, my overall body will express a healthier me and not where I am right now. Is that correct? Exactly. And there's things, you know, we're not expecting you to climb the mountain in two days. There's little changes that you can make, simple steps that you can make to make the goal more achievable. But those little steps that you make, what we see are significant strides with our clients as they start making changes in their life each day. So it's really about spending quality time with those that we work with and making sure that they understand it's a step-by-step -step process. But again, the little step leads to bigger and better outcomes down the, down the line. How do you initially, if you want to call it, evaluate a client to find out their base and what do you guys normally do? Well, I think, you know, one of the main things we really focus on is inflammation within the body. Um, you know, inflammation, 90% of diseases that are out there stem from inflammation. And inflammation is really just a symptom of something else that's going on. And so we really need to look at what's triggering this inflammation in your body. And there's a lot of buckets to look into for that. You know, we can, we can look at our gut health and the microbiome, which is the bacteria within our stomach. Um, you know, that plays a huge role. In fact, that's one of the major things that we look at um, because so much stems from the gut, like our immune system and um, our, our brain health, um, amongst other things. But it's a big trigger for inflammation if things aren't working properly there. But we also look at all these other things around us. So, you know, the toxins that we're exposed to, which, you know, we're all exposed to a ton of toxins and it's grown over time. We know that. Um, but our body can't handle all that. It just kind of overflows with the ability of what it can handle. And then, you know, eventually they kind of fill up in our system and start to give us problems. So even taking little bites at that, getting rid of um, some fragrances or toxins within your home will decrease that load in our body, which will help to decrease inflammation. But like Brian said, too, we look at the stressors. We all live in a super stressful life and we're not going to be able to get rid of that either, but we can mitigate it and we can find things to help bring those stress levels down. Um, I don't think there's enough me time in this world. People definitely, um, you know, don't take the time for themselves and um, a lot of us are just focused on caring for others or doing other things. And we kind of just put ourselves in the back burner. So there's lots of little things that we need to look at. But all these little things add up to a big thing. Um, and we need to try to find what those triggers are for each person. Because your trigger, Dr. Tony, is going to be different than Brian's and different than mine. Um, so we do 
a lot of time looking looking for that specifically. I like the idea where you have your 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 net. You take all those four pillars, take those stressors, see what's in your environment, maybe toxins in your in your fragrances or allergies to foods too, and your stressors in your home, and go okay. How does that accumulate to put pressure and stress on your nervous system, on your genetics, to make it express a certain way? And how do we now reduce those stressors to your genetics to make your net, if you want to call it, a reduction of that stressor on your genetics back to a better level where your body can handle that stress, that environment you're living, maybe a toxin, maybe a digestive disorder, whatever it might be, so you can handle that and, and then live a better quality of life, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and when you're dealing with a client, how much is their mindset important going into a program like yours to help them get better? Well, I think, it, you know, mindset is everything. But at the same time, when the clients first get enrolled, there's there's a lot of potential apprehension, uh, so to speak, where, again, I put myself in the shoes of that individual coming in because I've been there at that moment where you have gone through what you feel is every potential avenue for treatment with no success. So now you're, you're grasping at straws and we want to recognize that we want to express empathy and, and realizing the path that they have gone through to get to us and really start with the most frustrating points for that individual and make sure that they understand, okay, if we address what is most concerning for you, and start attacking that first where you see, you know, structured results, they buy in more and more and, and keep things moving. A lot of them, I think, as you had mentioned, they come in, they're going, okay, I've, I'm frustrated, I'm desperate, I'm not getting the right help. How do I now change my mindset, my, my ideal of health into a different state to now do the work? To get my body, my body so now I can actually feel better and then stay better. And with that, too, going into it, how much do you let them know it may not be comfortable, it may not feel good to get healthy? Yeah, there's definitely, and Brian and I have talked about this too before, um, you know, the providers and even in functional health, I, I don't think they really mention or bring up the changes you're going to see initially. I mean, the first few weeks are extremely difficult. You know, we're digging into lots of different things, right? If we look at, if we look at our stress, for example, we're not just looking at your day-to-day -day stress, but we're going to look at what's happened to you in the past. Are there some, you know, traumatic events that you haven't dealt with before? And these are hard things to talk about because usually they're kind of pushed back you know, in the wayside, but they're also something that's a huge block in your health. So if you don't address these issues, um, that's going to be a problem because what it's doing is it's limiting you and it's telling you that you can't complete these things or you can't do these things. And it's taking you out of that healthy mindset, mm -hmm. you know, by breaking things down into little bits, like Brian is stating, it's much easier to look at, I just need to complete this, 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 instead of looking at the whole picture of now I got to completely detox my home and everything that I wear and put on my body and clean my house with. And now I got to switch to all organic. And now I got to stop all of these foods because I'm sensitive to them. That's extremely overwhelming. And that is going to stop someone in their tracks. And they're probably not going to make it a week, you know, within a program. So it's really important. And it's what we focus on really is to just take little steps really get to know somebody, find out what's going to work and not going to work. And if we implement something and it doesn't work, then they know they can reach us at any time and we can make changes to that. So it, I, I just think really being on a personal level with someone is going to help get their mindset in the right place and keep it in the right place because that's hard. And it's something to where I, I always tell my patients, you're going to get uncomfortable to get more comfortable with being stressed so you can actually get healthier. And then, and, and I physically make them feel with some of the stretches I give them, I want them to feel uncomfortable because I want them to go see that's still okay. You're not injured, but let's get you to feel that, that emotional response to their body getting better over time with being uncomfortable. Right. Kind of makes sense. Right. Yeah. So walking through pillar number one, nutrition diet, how do you start someone looking at their big picture to change their habits if they need to for their, again. And then when I, when I look at the pillars, I go, these can affect anyone with any condition. 
-hmm. it can be diabetes, it could be, it could be, it could be a cancer recovery, it could be something else that could help everyone get healthier about these four pillars. So walk through nutrition diet, see what's, how do you walk through somebody? So one of the things that we first start off with that is probably the most important is what we call food, mood, poop journaling, um, which we, we have fun with it, but clients need to understand, and they do this for a period of four to five days where they're writing down and consciously thinking about the food that they're eating and thinking about the mood that it puts them in. Now, we'll challenge clients if they say happy, sad, you know, okay, sleepy. What we want to understand is, are there any headaches occurring? Are there rashes occurring? Are there, you know, are you becoming irritable? Yeah. Yeah. Bloating, gassy. Those are the things that we're looking for from a mood perspective. And then from a bowel movement side of things, how frequent is that? Is it regular? Is it, you know, there's a lot of diagnostics that can be done with that simple journaling on the front end. That really allows us to understand from a a picture of having the patient see Mm-hmm. understand what's bothersome to them, write it down, and we reinforce that. And then I'll let Jill talk about the labs that we also uh, incorporate. Yeah, we love to focus on uh, food sensitivity testing. I think that was a big thing that helped me. Um, I liked eating poorly. It just was easy and it was quick. And, you know, I was in a super stressful job and being a mom and, um, you know, it, it, it's easy to grab that stuff. Did I feel good when I ate it? No, I didn't feel good while I was eating it because I knew it wasn't healthy for me, but it also made me feel terrible after. So what was great is when you have this food sensitivity testing and you see these results come back and, you know, there were healthy foods that I did eat, but it just so happened I was sensitive to some of those. So even when I was going on these health kicks and I was filling my body with kale and lettuce and cauliflower, for example, those happened to be things I was significantly sensitive to. So no wonder I didn't feel good when I was eating them and it was hard for me to keep eating them. Um, So when we look at this food sensitivity testing, healthy foods can be bad for you too. And I think that's hard for people to understand. We know that there's inflammatory type foods. We know there's bad oils. We know processed foods are not good for us. Um, Sometimes we don't understand how they're making us feel until we journal and that's why we like them to journal about that too, because it just reinforces the reason why we shouldn't be eating them. But to have a list in front of me telling me what I can and cannot eat um, was very simple. And I picked out the foods that I liked. And I mean, almost immediately within a week, I saw significant improvements. And when you get that kind of feedback right away, you want to stick with it. The last thing you want to do is cheat or go back onto something else, because when you eat that food, you feel, you know, really gassy or bloated or uncomfortable, or you instantly get a migraine uh, with it. And so those symptoms help to reinforce staying away from it as well. So we definitely like to do the food sensitivity testing. Um, you know, there's other things that we do too. We, we like to test the microbiome, which I don't know if you guys have talked about that on your podcast, but, you know, really looking at the bacteria and see if you have infections in your gut um, you know, those are all big triggers for inflammation, just like the food sensitivities. So um, what a lot of it is, I like that you have people journal, look at their journal and discuss journal because at that point, everyone learns differently, correct? Some people mm-hmm. learn, by, learn by, by seeing, some people learn by doing. So you're allowing them to do almost all three, then delayed reaction, how's your body feel? Okay, when I did this, I feel better this. Now let's see that, what was that? What was that meal like? What did you have differently? What did you add in or take out? So you're allowing them to now find out what they like food-wise and within their, their comfort level per se, at that point they can enjoy eating healthy per se, at that point feeling better within their food groups they work already, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And what's and great- French fries are okay, right? French fries are okay? Right. <laughs> They're a potato. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. You know, I think people really get stuck on um, on diet and what's going to be taken away from them because it's scary uh-huh, and yeah. it's hard to make those changes. And a lot of us don't know how to cook in those ways, right? If you wanted to go gluten-free or dairy-free um, or stop these other foods. Uh, but what's great about it is when you're within a program and you're working with people who can help you, the goal is to heal your gut so that you can reincorporate 
the healthy foods that maybe you're sensitive to. You know, I can eat all of those foods again without having issues, but I couldn't eat them for a period of time. And I was okay with that, you know, and, and even if those foods still caused me problems, I didn't mind staying away from them because I didn't want to feel terrible. I saw the difference between feeling bad and feeling good. I think when you feel bad for so long, you just don't know anymore. It becomes your normal. You kind of forget, yeah. you know, so, um, so the goal is really to heal somebody so that they can get back to eating foods. But there's definitely some foods that stay off the list that are inflammatory. Yeah, we don't want to talk about people with diet and, and their gut per se. It's our ability of our gut to stay healthy so it can absorb the nutrients and minerals we want to feed it to keep our body healthy. Right. Unhealthy, right. that way can't do that. That's when you get the irritation, the bloating, the pains for one too. What does it take in your mind? time for the gut to heal that internal lining of, of, of the colon and also lower intestines. Boy, if, I don't think you could put a timeline on a specific timeline. Right. It really is yeah. dependent upon the individual and their sensitivities. Jill, would you? Yeah. And how severe things are, you know, somebody who's had issues for 20 plus years, it's going to take them a little bit longer than maybe somebody who's really only had problems for a few years. Um, but again, it's just kind of that step-by-step -step process and to just really look at um, the goal is, is to get you back to, you know, eating the things that you enjoy if we have to remove some of those things. Um, but the okay, you're, you're actually having people journal too, so you can see them go up and down. You're going to coach them through, okay, let's try this, get this back in there. It didn't work. Let's back yeah. off a little bit longer. So you're actually working with them in, in real live time as they progress through this process. Yeah. And, you know, what's great about all of this, again, is just by addressing these things, that's helping to decrease our inflammation. And that high inflammation is what turns those genes on. It turns that light switch on for those diseased genes. And, you know, we don't want that. And that's also a good um, push for people to if they think about that, you know, it's, I don't want to have diabetes, I don't want to have back issues. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want to be like how my grandparents were when they were sick. So, um, it's just another push for us to, to keep going down that healthy track. You're keeping that big picture in their mindset as you, as you get them to make little changes that may be uncomfortable, that they continue to do to see that long-term benefit. What's the second pillar that, that we talk? Is it the motion one or is it exercise or is it something else? It's sleep is, is really a, an impact or one that we want to impact greatly. And there's simple changes that we recommend to, to our clients who are working with. We all love our devices, our handhelds, right? Our phones, we all, we all have them close by, but they are such destructors uh, to our sleep patterns in the evening. Just the blue light that is emitted from our high definition TVs, from our phones, really impact our ability to get into good sleep once we, we put our heads down to rest. And so many folks are using these in bed. So we, you know, we talk about blue light blocking glasses. We talk about, is there consistency in when you go down to rest? When is, you know, tell us about the, when you're eating before um, you're, you're getting ready to rest. Um, those things play important roles in, in getting good night's rest. And with that too, is, is everyone, is there a standard everyone should do or is it, Per person's their sleep habit, they're, they may have a night nice shift job, they may have a graveyard job, so they may have kids to take care of, may have things that they, that they can't get to. Is everyone's sleep schedule different? Is that okay? Yeah, it is going to be different, and, and it's going to be okay because we have to try to figure that out. You know, it's the life that you're running, right? But these things, these are changes that you can make. You know, don't eat two hours before, or the, the limit you should eat is two hours before bed. You know, don't eat. French fries. Avoid the French fries two hours yeah, before exactly. bed. Exactly. Yeah, that high fat food. We were just talking about how long that high fat takes. Yeah. To, You're to in and out burgers out there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Wait, but but what, why, why are devices and TVs, I, we know, but minus may know, why are TV devices bad for you before bed? Well, the emission of blue light is is significant from each of these devices, and it creates a, a well. How do we want to describe this, Jill? Almost like a, an awakening. Yeah, it's that hormonal change. You know, it sets off like our regular melatonin. If we follow the regular circadian rhythm of the day, right? We want to wake up to light, and we want to go to bed at nighttime. 
And when things start to become dark, that's when the, our natural melatonin kicks in. And the minute that we subject it to light, um, specifically blue light, um, in these high def TVs and stuff that disrupts how the melatonin is working and that screws up our circadian rhythm. And then it, now we're jacked up for a couple hours and it's hard for us to get back to sleep again. And we're not going to watch a TV show that's going to be boring either. Unless my wife right. says I watch a lot of B movies, which is just preference. Yeah. I'm hoping they get better. That's my biggest thing. I like to watch new because I hope get, I, I have optimism in them, but a lot of it is <laughs> that does produce, that reduces the melatonin because of the blue light but also watching that increase the serotonin. So we're adding two things that jack yeah. our body up to stay awake, to stay going, shutting yeah. it down. And even when we do get to sleep, if we have a lower melatonin, we may have got the deep delta REM sleep where the, we actually recharge and recover and our body shuts down so it can reset itself in the morning, correct? Right, and that affects our adrenal hormones and our stress hormones, which gives us problems during the day too, if those are off kilter. And that's how we end up getting into that slump in the afternoon. So mm -hmm. it's really about that rhythm and trying to adjust that rhythm for us so we can stay more consistent, whatever your rhythm is, your rhythm might be different than mine, you know, if you're a night shift worker, um, but, but you have to be consistent with that. And the news, number one, like don't watch the news before bed. That is like gotta be one of the worst. Watch, don't watch the news ever. That'd be great. I know. Turn it's, it off. Turn those sure. channels from your TV. Thank you. That's, great. Great. That's, That's just my personal. That's just great. But, but like, like, like you correlate though, pillar pillar one with two, sleep with nutrition diet, because they affect each other, correct? Affects your hormones, affects your serotonin, endorphins, your melatonin, how you eat. So why not understand that that's, that's going to work together synergistically in a positive or a negative way? Right. Yeah. Very true. What's pillar three? Give, give me, I think it's motion exercise, correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Walk me through how you assess your clients for where they are now, where you want them to get to, and how it can affect the other pillars. Well, it's all incorporated process it's really understanding talk about the movement that you're you're doing each day is it again some clients will express well it's general movements at work and their thinking is no i don't need to do anything after because i have a highly physical job but when we're in our job in that work environment we are still incorporating a large amount of stress in our life so it's take 30 minutes for a walk in the neighborhood to alleviate that stress, reset yourself mentally. And that's part of the mitigating stress component as well, but build a routine, keep it consistent and allow at least 30 minutes a day of just, it doesn't have to be, you know, a killer workout, just get yourself moving in a, a positive way. And it helps clear the mind, helps mitigate that stress and reset things. Yeah, and it's helpful, I think, you know, to ask people what types of activities do they enjoy doing, um, because it's going to make them, it's going to make it easier, obviously, to be out. If you prefer biking or walking your dog or going to do yoga, um, anything that you like is going to be easier to incorporate than forcing yourself to do something that just doesn't fit with feeling good for you, because then it's going to become a stressor. When you look at it, and you think, shoot, I didn't get my workout in today. Um, so yeah, we, we want to take all that into account. And again, as it all works in a whole, um, when you're working out, you want to eat better because you don't want to ruin what you ate during the day or, you know, ruin what you're eating for the rest of the day. And it also helps to mitigate stress, which is another big, um, component that we look at. Well, one thing too, do you guys have in Wisconsin, do you have in and out? I'm not sure. No, we don't. <laughs> I apologize for your lack of, of good <laughs> it, it, It's not like, like you're saying, you're not going to go work out, then go eat a, what's called a four by four, which are four patties and you do oh animal God. style, which is four cheeses, grilled onions and everything. It's basically, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a heart attack waiting to happen in your hand. Right. Yeah. But you don't want, you don't want to do that because it allows you, again, we're working with pillars together, right? Yeah. You don't want to do that and you're increasing your body's hormones to digest versus rest and you're resting at the same time, but your stress levels have to decrease. I tell my patients, if your stress level every day is a 50, can we negate that with de-stressors to get that 50? So at the end of your day, you're netting out a zero if possible. Yeah. You know? Right. And, and one of the things we talk to our folks about is what you just talked about is eating those foods. When you think about the digestive process, it is the most rigorous process that our body goes through every single day. And luckily we have bodies that allow, you know, protect ourselves from understanding how, 
how rigorous that is. But going back to your in and out, if you're, if you're looking at right. that hamburger and a story that we share is imagine grabbing that burger at 7 p.m. late night, chasing the kids around and a macronutrients in there, you have a lot of fat. Let's say 50 grams of fat. On average, it takes an hour to digest 10 grams of fat. So that pushes that in and out burger from leaving your stomach to about 1 a.m. And during that time, you're trying to get good rest. Your body's working overtime, trying to break down these highly processed foods. It just slows the transit time and puts your body in an unbelievable amount of stress. A lot of people don't that way but when we describe those things those foods taste fantastic don't get me wrong but the the, the challenges they put on the body are significant what a lot of it is you're, you're like what, what i what i would see that as is i'm trying to go to sleep which is going forward i'm eating a meal that's going to keep me backwards where i can't get to where i want to be say mm -hmm. a mile or two miles out because it's going to slow my process so i wake up the next day i haven't done my job to digest my food and get that deep delta my body recharge. I'm starting the next day out at 80%, 70%. Right. Correct. That's when our body repairs. You know, it looks for that sleep time to repair itself. It has a lot of damage that it needs to fix that happened throughout the day. Um, mm. So you're, you're taking that away from it, you know, when you're eating at night. Besides that of causing, you know, insulin issues, which we know is a big problem with health. Too. And I think, and, and when you talk about getting someone with diabetes type two for one, now you're throwing the whole body off to where it can't, it's working the next day at 87%. And, and does sleep affect your stress levels, especially when someone cannot can chronically have insomnia where they can't sleep very well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and being the last pillar being stress, how do we now correlate if you want to isolate stress as a pillar and then go to how it's affected by the other pillars too? Yeah, I think what, what you hit on was really key there because the first three steps really allow the fourth step being that mitigation of stress to really take off and take flight. Uh, because if you start addressing the diet, incorporating healthy whole foods, you start impacting sleep structure and you bring an exercise component with hobbies and, and structure to that, stress naturally decreases. But at the same time, we want... Um, as Jill mentioned earlier, the me time is so important. We want clients to take a step back, have that me time. We understand that people are busy. They're, you know, they're constantly chasing. That five to 10 minutes of me time, just isolation, thinking through and meditation is invaluable. Mm -hmm. And how hard is it for someone to take that time? How much pushback do you normally get for someone, say a busy mom or dad, they have a full-time kid to take care of when they come home. They have their parents nagging them, hey, come on the weekends. We have something planned for the kids, or they have sporting events too. How hard for someone that, that gives you that, that if you want that, that rebuttal? You know, I think everybody wants to have that time, and they just think that they can't make the time for it. If I ask somebody, how long did you just scroll on TikTok for? They're going to tell me at least five minutes, if not more, Right. And what did that do for you at that time? Did it make you feel better? Did it make you feel worse? You know, did it, did it calm you at all? It, and it didn't. And they know that, right? They just get sucked into it. So I think if you can just take a look at, there's got to be five minutes at least twice a day that you can look at spending some me time. I was extremely busy. I did not think there was any time for anything. Um, but when I looked back and saw all the time I was wasting on stuff that wasn't good for me, it was pretty easy to find a little bit of me time in there. It's almost a social norm, though, where you have to be crazy running around with your head cut off right. as a parent, as a professional, everything else, too. And almost some people, when I, I did talk with a lady who focused on self-care with her clients. A lot of it is you feel guilty if you're not doing something. Right. And it's a bad that has to change over time for you to be healthy. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, that was Absolutely. definitely me. I totally felt guilty. But you know what? I, I always wanted to help everybody else, which there's a mm -hmm. lot of people like that, right? But I mean, I got to the point where I, I was sick. I couldn't do anything for anybody. And all of a sudden now I have to rely on everyone else to do the work, which made me even feel worse. So um, 
you know, you have to look at that in a whole. It, it will happen. It might not happen in the next six months, but if you keep down the path that you're on, you're not going to be able, you're not going to be able to do anything. And you're going to have to rely on a lot of other people to help you. And it's hard and, to imagine that. When all of us look like we're pretty young, we have at least another half, half another full life to live, right? I'm 48 years old. Can we yeah. spend six months, even a year, adjusting our four pillars to make ourselves get to routine and habits we can maintain the rest of our lives? Right. So we can be in our 70s, 80s, 90s and have a good quality of life and then hopefully pass it on to the next generation. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And right. that's the focus, right? I mean, this next generation, these are our kids. Uh -huh. We have uh -huh. to teach them the right way to do things or this you know, is only going to get worse, unfortunately. Especially with, with, with being a dad and being a guy, it's almost being the example of versus seeing what you should be doing. Right. And we can live being an example. They will fall in your footsteps, hopefully eventually, unless they're teenagers and they do their own thing. I don't want their, their heads everywhere. At that point, once you get through a teenage year, they go, hey, look, mom and dad knew what they're talking about. Mom and dad actually did something well. That point, they'll hopefully <laughs> learn from that. And, okay, how do I not reinvent the wheel to make my life easy? And then, then they come to you with, hey, what do you guys do to get to where you're 78 and you're healthy versus your friends or our friends, our parents' friends are not healthy. They're, they're taking a bunch of meds. They can't leave the house. They have conditions where they're, they may be 70, but they look like they're 90. And you're, right. like you're, you're 80 and you look like you're 50. What the heck? You know, it's not Botox. It's just right. living healthy. That's right. right. And, and a lot of the questions that we oftentimes ask clients about, about the food that they eat and how it makes them feel. Don't be hesitant as a parent, as you start incorporating these changes, ask your kids how they feel, how they feel after eating that meal. Uh, you'll be surprised what they share back with you as far as how they feel, how tired they are, you know, lack of clarity and thinking. Uh, those are big, big impacts. Well, I like that you're bringing it down to Brian. It's not just adults, us dealing with this. It's our kids too. And we have to better level at, as a child to now learn better habits for their health, their epigenetics to, to work better in their body as they grow because they're still growing as a kid. So they grow into a healthier body and can maintain and sustain that their whole life. Right. It's huge. Now waiting until we have a which is good too. Good. And then, and then I want a couple takeaways from you guys is how do you want people – to see their results at the very end? How do you give them that imagery of what to expect? The, we, uh, so there's a couple different routes. Uh, you know, obviously the journaling plays an important role, but one thing that is absolutely eye-opening is looking at the labs pulled pre versus mid and post to see the numbers and actually see the hard work that they're doing on paper is is really earth shattering to them. Jill, would you add anything else? No, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, everybody's goal is different. And I want to know what your goal is and where you want to be. And that's what we're going to focus on as we go through this. And that's what we're going to push you forward. And, and do you see at the end of when you deal with a client, their, their attitude, their mood, their mindset change and shift as you go through this process? Yes. Incredibly grateful, uh, humbled, and you know, willing to – we have a lot of folks just asking for more tips and tricks about what's the next step. Or here I'm noticing a little bit of this. Um, so it's always re-engaging because they know – gaps, significant gaps in healthcare is time with people. And they know that we can spend time with them to really understand their challenges. And they come back for more. I like that because then you go, okay, now I've had a good standard. How do I even re refine this standard? Because now they see they can do the work they have to work at. They can see the big picture. I may be uncomfortable, but that's part of the process. Yep. And what are some more steps that we can do? You know, it's overwhelming. So we do what we need to do initially to get you feeling better. And if you want to dive into that deeper, we're definitely there to help you with it. And most people do. They just want to know what are what are some more steps that I can do um, to make this change and to educate the rest of my family? Because usually it's they're bringing their spouse and their kids into it, too. Like it's a church of help. Like, how do I get my other people that are not 
that That's are eating right. French fries every day from in and out because they're so good sometimes. And now to better state of health. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and, and we're going to wrap up right now too. Is there anything else I, I should have asked that I have missed with you guys today that you want to bring into to my audience to kind of help connect them, connect with you, understand their situation and associate with you guys? I think the big thing that we want those listening to understand is know that there are there are people out there willing to help if you're struggling. Know that there are services available to you and, and people are willing to spend time to listen, to really understand you, who you are, and, and a pathway and a roadmap that's going to be specific to you and your body's needs. I, th I think that's the biggest thing that we could share with anyone is when offering this help, it's it's specific to you. We define root causes and and build from there. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. And Miss Jill, go ahead. Um, you know, there's if you go onto our website and you take a look, there's an inflammatory quiz there. If you feel that you want to check out what the state of your health is currently, it's a brief one. You can take it. Um, we'll reach back out to you. You know, Brian and I work through these together um, and, and we'll try to see if we can uh, offer you something that will be helpful for you. But really, we just want to optimize your health so that, you know, you're at your new self so that you can be the better parent or spouse, um, you know, the CEO, the better athlete, the better philanthropist, whatever it is that you want to be, we want you to be at your best. Um, and we're here with you every step of the way. And I like that you guys are teaching them how to help take care of their own body, become their own best doctor for themselves. So right. that's when they can understand how to, how to, really take control of their health and maintain that. And again, the show notes has your website, new self, has your Facebook groups, your Instagram, your TikTok. Also like all your videos, Joe, keep at them, keep going, keep doing them. Okay. A lot is as, as you get more information out there and people get more aware of, I'm tired of being sick. How do, is there a way for me to control my health? Even my doctor's not telling me, is there a way for me to control my health? So at that point I can take care of myself. And I think you guys as a team are strategically helping people get to a healthier state and maintain that. So thank you both. Thank All you right. so much for having us on, Dr. Tony. Let's do a thank quick five-second smile because I want to take it, only use that as my image at the very, for your show. So smile away, people. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Enjoy that. I'll, we'll, go to the back, we'll go to the back room right now. So just hang on. But thank you for watching live, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you.